going to finish studying Mark chapter 4 by looking at this last unexamined story, the, the one that we have not yet studied in our, our journey through Mark and specifically Mark chapter 4. So Mark chapter 4, starting in verse 35 this morning and then working our way to the end of Mark chapter 4, we see the story of the time when Jesus calmed the storm. Now speaking of storms, you know, we're no stranger to crazy weather in Oklahoma. In fact, uh, you know, the, the joke amongst Oklahomans is that if you don't like the weather, hang around for a minute, you know, it's going to change before the day's over, something along those lines, right? We, uh, the, you've heard all the cliche things, right, about, uh, you know, you can tell when the, when the sirens go off in Oklahoma, you can tell who's from Oklahoma and who's not because the people who aren't from Oklahoma run for cover and the people who are from Oklahoma run outside to see what's happening, you know, that sort of thing. And I'm from, you know, I, I'm, I, I guess I'm uh, the, the prototypical uh, Oklahoman who gets weather because I'm born and raised in Moore, America, right, right in the heart of uh, Tornado Alley, right? Is, uh, I'm a product of Moore, and, uh, and, and so we've lived through the storms in Oklahoma. It's not uncommon to us. We see a story here of a, a great storm that Jesus calms, and, and what's interesting about this is that maybe much like Oklahomans, the disciples were used to storms. These guys were used to bad weather, and, and so we'll see more about that and, and learn from the story as we dig into Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. You know, November the 11th, yesterday, was Veterans Day, and I want to take just a, a moment just to thank all of our servicemen and women for their service to our country, all that you have done and your sacrifice. We deeply, deeply appreciate you and, and, and want to thank you for that. But November 11th is also sort of iconic in Oklahoma history because on November the 11th, 1911, the Midwestern part of the United States experienced what was known as a Great Blue Northern. And on that day, November the 11th, 1911, the record for both the high and the low temperature that stands to this day, for that day, was set in the same day. So November the 11th, 1911, in Oklahoma City, there was a record-setting high temperature of 83 degrees, and then later that same day, a record low of 17 degrees, both of which still stand over a century later as the record high and low for that day, for that particular day. That's Oklahoma, right? I mean, that's Oklahoma in a nutshell. That's it. Well, we, as we see this part of the story, we see that there are some, some geographical and other things that contribute to the storm that Jesus and the disciples experienced in this boat, but they were no stranger to these types of storms, and yet they were very afraid. And so let's dig into this to understand more about this. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, we see, when evening had come, he said to them, let's go across to the other side. Now, we know what's happening here is that Jesus is ministering in Galilee. And in, in, as a part of his Galilean ministry, a part of his preaching ministry, everywhere that Jesus would go, there would be great crowds of, crowds of people that would follow, right? We've seen that again and again, that everywhere Jesus would go, there were crowds that gathered that pressed on him because they wanted more, more of what he had to say, more of what he could do, more of the miracles, more of the wonder and the awe. They couldn't get enough of this Jesus guy. And yet Jesus 
says to his disciples, basically, let's get out of here. Let's, let's go. And so they loaded up in a boat, and they, and they put out into the sea. So we see in verse 36, And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And then notice this in verse 37. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Verse 40 we read, He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and the sea obey him. So as we look at this passage, I want us to see some things about Jesus' reaction to his interaction with this particular storm. And and the storm we understand is really a... uh, symbolic here of storms in our life. Now, I don't mean to say that this wasn't a real storm. This was a real storm and a real historical event. I'm not doing as some would do and just allegorizing all of this. Was, these, these things really happened. And yet, metaphorically, it also teaches us many great lessons that we can learn in our lives. And so let's see, let's see some examples of this. The first thing that I want us to see is Jesus' peace in the storm. His peace in the storm. So what happens is that after a long day and, and a lot of ministry, and to the point that he was physically exhausted, Jesus says to his disciples, let's go. You know, Let, we're done. Let's pack it up. Let's head home. Let's go. And they get in the boat and they, and they take off. They, they push out to sea. Now the sea here is the Sea of Galilee. It's what's known as the Sea of Galilee. And it actually is more realistically, it's really a lake. It's known as a sea, but it's a body of fresh water. It's 13 miles from end to end from north to south, and it's seven miles wide, 13 miles long, seven miles wide. And if you have some maps in the back of your Bible, then you can probably turn there and you can see a map of the Sea of Galilee. But if you don't, sort of picture in your mind a harp shape, or almost like the letter, think of almost like the capital letter D, right? That's the basic shape of the Sea of Galilee. And what's interesting about the geography in this area, particularly around the Sea of Galilee, is that the Sea of Galilee itself actually sits 680 feet below sea level, and yet it's surrounded by mountains, and some of which rise nearly 10,000 feet above sea level. So there's this dramatic change in elevation with the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee itself is rather deep as well. It's 150 feet deep, which that may not sound really deep if you're thinking about a sea, but think about a lake, right? Because as I've said, it's, it's really more like a lake, 13 miles from end to end, seven miles wide, and yet 150 feet deep, surrounded by these mountains. And these mountains would, would bring in certain weather patterns that could cause there to be dramatic changes in the weather and the conditions on the sea in, in a relatively small amount of time. Much like, much like if you've ever spent much time in the mountains, say the Rockies or someplace like that in Colorado, you know that, you can, that storms can come in rather quickly, right? They can push in with little warning. Well, that sort of thing 
did happen, could and would happen in the Sea of Galilee. But here's what's interesting about this story as we look at this. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the, all that was going on, Jesus is asleep in the front of the boat, right? He was, he was exhausted. Physically, he was exhausted. He was sleeping in the midst of the storm. And that didn't, that didn't sit well with his disciples. In fact, when they woke him, look at what they said. They didn't just say, Jesus, we're afraid. But they said, teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Jesus, don't you care that we're going to die? Jesus, you're asleep and we're going to die. We're all, you know, a little dramatic, right? They're being drama queens, I, I guess we could say. But they were, they were not just afraid. I think fear was maybe part of it. But they were also, they were put out with Jesus. They were upset at Jesus because he wasn't doing what they wanted him to do, which was make the storm stop, Jesus. We're working to try to bail out all the water from the boats, and here we are in the storm, and this doesn't look good because the boats are taking on water. Jesus, don't you care that we're all going to die? Don't you care that we're perishing? And yet Jesus had peace in the midst of that. You know, some people have an uncanny ability to remain calm in the midst of crisis or chaos, right? Do you know anybody like this? You, maybe you're one of these people that it, when, when something bad happens and it seems like things are going nuts, like certain people, something just kicks in, right? It's the endorphins, it's the adrenaline, and like this calm comes over them and they just, they handle things. Uh, I, I'm not maybe the most calm person in the midst of chaos and but in my family anyway in my small you know family of people i'm the one that typically remains the calm you know the most calm in the midst of craziness now mom is the one in our family who's the compassionate one right i'm not necessarily the most compassionate in the midst of chaos but i'm calm right do this do that you know just start all right well we got to you know let's take care of this let's take care of that that sort of thing but i'm always amazed at people that have that natural ability that they're just calm in the midst of the storm jesus was asleep even now i don't know if you've ever ridden on a boat that's been tossed about by great waves. The Sea of Galilee, the waves can reach in excess of 10 feet peaks. And the boat that Jesus and his disciples were in was likely a fishing craft, and likely at that, uh, the size that, would, that it would hold roughly, roughly 20 people, but that's packed full of this little rowboat that probably had a sail in the middle rows down the sides, and a place at the front of the boat where Jesus would have been asleep, right? In fact, the archaeologists have found other boats like this that they've dated from the same era, and, uh, and, and so they, they think that maybe this boat would have been somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 feet in length. Not, not a huge vessel, especially not when, when the waves are tossing about in excess of 10 feet, Right? Now, if you've ever been in a boat that's been in water and you've ridden out the strong waves, then you, you have a little bit of that sense of understanding of just the, the pit in your stomach, right? That, that feeling every time the boat goes up and down. We don't have that, those kind of waves on our lakes in Oklahoma, right? We just don't get anything like that. You, you really have to get out on some deeper water to really truly appreciate and understand this. And yet Jesus is sleeping 
in the midst of that. You ever go to Great Wolf Lodge or Whitewater or someplace, and you know they've got the wave pool? You ever get in the wave pool? And the waves go up and down in the wave pool, and you ride the waves, and, and it's fun, and it goes for a few minutes. And, and the peaks of those waves are maybe a couple of feet. Could you imagine sleeping in the middle of that? Imagine that it were 10 feet peaks, and that water is splashing in, right? That, that you're in the front of the boat, and so if you've ever been in a boat, you know that when the, water, when the boat breaks against the waves, what's the point that gets the most wet? It's where it's the front of the boat, right? And that's where, and, and Jesus is asleep. The boat was filling with water. They're saying, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? But Jesus had peace in the midst of the storm. The truth is God always has peace in the midst of storms. When we think of storms and sort of that metaphor that of, of life's storms, we always, we tend to really get worked up and worried over the storms that happen in life. But Jesus always has peace in the midst of the storm. Secondly, we see this, Jesus' power over the storm. So his peace in the storm, his power over the storm. Look at the authority in what Jesus says here, the authority in his word. So Jesus is awakened by his disciples and it says, he rebuked the wind and the sea. Peace, be still. What's interesting is that the language, if you read this, verse 39, the language of that reads almost identical to the language of Mark chapter 1, where Jesus rebukes a demon. Almost as if there were some kind of a, a demonic force to the winds. Jesus rebukes the wind and he says, peace, be still. And what did it do? It stopped. There was calm, it says. The wind ceased, and there was great calm. I think it's interesting, the, the power, the authority of Jesus' word that we see here. Think about people in, in, in our context, in our day. Think about people who have authority in their word, in the things that they say and they speak. Kings, for example, right? The king says, let it happen, and it happens. Think about people that have authority in their word. Presidents, legislators, judges, mama, right? Mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, right? People have authority in their word. When they speak, things happen. It's interesting here that we see that Jesus' power extends his authority even to the words that he speaks Peace, be still. And what happened? It was still. If only I could figure this out and somehow find a way to market this, you know. Like I would write the, the parenting book to end all parenting books. And I would name it Peace, Be Still. That would be the name of the book, right? We could just figure out a way to make this work. Kids, peace, be still. Doesn't work that way, by the way. Even if I'm calm in the midst of the chaos, it doesn't work that way. We see that the reason that the wind and the waves obeyed, of course, is because Jesus has authority over the wind and the waves, just as he has authority over all of creation, because creation itself is, 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 is a product of his word. 
And God said, let there be, right? Fill in the blank. And it was. There's authority in his word, and we see that authority, that power over the storm, that he says, peace, be still. Now, that's significant, that he has the power to speak, peace, be still, in the midst of our storms. We're coming back to that in a minute. You can be sure, but let's keep moving. We see his peace in the storm. We see his power over the storm. Next, we see Jesus' patience despite the storm. In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all of this, Jesus is just trying to get some sleep, right? You ever in that place, like, all you want is you just want to sleep. Everybody be quiet. I just want to sleep. Couldn't the storm just wait? Here's the one that has power over the storm. But when he's, when he's woken up, he's not frustrated by the storm itself. What did he say to his disciples? Thanks, guys. I, now I can go back to sleep. No, he said, he said to them, have you still no faith? Don't you guys trust me? Don't, don't you think that, don't you think that I, that I'm not gonna, we're not gonna die out here unless, unless it's time, right? I mean, don't you think that I know what I'm doing, that my timing, my purpose, that don't, don't you have faith in me? And yet, even in, even in their question to Jesus as they woke him, don't we see that really the, the core issue there is not so much their fear over the waves. The core issue is their lack of faith. Teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? It's their lack of faith that we see expressed in this. And Jesus, despite their lack of faith, Jesus has patience with them. Have you still no faith, he says? Now, he didn't rebuke them. He didn't, he didn't uh, chastise them. He didn't punish them in some way. He just wants them to see, guys, don't you get it? It doesn't matter what the storms are doing. If I'm in the boat, we're going to be okay. That'll preach, won't it? We see his peace in the storm, his power over the storm, his patience despite the storm, and then finally, Jesus' prerogative with storms. Now, as a child of the 80s, okay, I was born in 78, grew up in the 80s, my introduction to the word prerogative was Bobby Brown, 1988, right? It's my prerogative, right? You know what I'm talking about. If you don't, then just count your blessings, I guess. But that word prerogative, that word prerogative means an exclusive right or privilege exercised by virtue of rank or title. In other words, when someone has an authority because of who they are, because of their rank or their title, and they do things that are within the exercise of that authority. And isn't that exactly what Jesus has done here? He's exercised his authority over the storm. But not only the storm, but storms. Because the storm here, although I believe, again, this was a real, actual storm, storms here are really indicative of the storms of life. What a great metaphor for our lives and the things that we go through in life, the idea of storms. Because doesn't life feel like a storm a lot of the time? The ups and the downs, the highs and the lows, the peaks and the valleys. 
Life tends to feel like a storm. Crazy winds that come out of nowhere, dramatic changes in temperature, freezing one minute, burning up the next. I mean, doesn't life feel like it's full of storms? And that's exactly what Jesus uses here to teach this lesson to his disciples. Because as I've said already, he's saying to them, guys, it doesn't matter what the storms are doing. If I'm in the boat, listen, we're going to be okay. And the truth is in our lives, no matter what storms we're going through in life, if Jesus is with us, we're going to be okay. Now, there are some who preach a message that goes like this. If you just trust in Jesus, if you have faith in him, if you walk with him, then he's going to keep you from every storm in life. Jesus is going to keep you out of all the storms. And if, if you're going through a storm, then you're just not trusting in him. You need to trust in him. You need to believe in him and believe in his promise, and then he'll keep you from the storm. And the problem with that, I would say again and again and again, is the Bible. Because the Bible doesn't teach that at all. What do we see here? Here are guys that are right in the heart of what Jesus is up to. Here are guys that are living life with him day by day in his presence, learning from him. These are the same ones that Jesus is intentionally investing himself in so that they can go out and change the world. And yet, they're living with some storms, right? And not just any storm. This must have been a pretty serious storm because these half of the disciples nearly were fishermen by trade. These are guys that knew about storms. Storms were no big deal to them. These are like a bunch of Oklahomans that run outside with the camera to catch the tornado on video, right? They knew storms. This wasn't new to them. This was old hat. They lived through storms before, and yet they were, they were put out because they knew that there was someone in the boat that had the power to make the storms go away, and for whatever reason, he was sleeping through all of this. And that, that was their point. That was their contention. That was where they got hung up. It wasn't just that they were afraid because of the storms. They were mad because Jesus wasn't making the storms stop. Isn't that us sometimes? Right? It's not that the storms themselves scare us. I mean, we know that our future is secure. It's not that we don't think we can get through this, or it's, it's not that, it's, it's maybe it's not even that we don't believe that we, sh that we won't go through some storms, but the point is we're going through a storm, and he just won't make it stop. And so like the disciples, we're, Jesus, don't you care that we're perishing? Jesus says to his disciples, have you still no faith? That message resonates with us, doesn't it? Have you still no faith? You know what's ironic? This is the only reference in all of the scripture, to my knowledge, and I searched this week. This is, this is the only reference that I'm aware of where we see that Jesus was sleeping. Think of all that Jesus went through. All the stories, all the miracles, all the things that Jesus did. And the only time that we see that Jesus was asleep was in the midst of the storm. Isn't that ironic? He's ever-present in the midst of our pain. And yet, sometimes we want to get on him because it feels like he's asleep in the storm. The disciples were upset by the storm, of course. But... I think they were more upset because Jesus was allowing the storm to happen. 
And I wonder about in our lives, what are the storms that you're facing? What are the storms that you've walked through in life? Maybe the storms that you're living in the midst of right now. If you were to be honest, I mean, at your, at your core, at, your, at, your, at the heart level, you're really frustrated because Jesus isn't making the storm stop. What he wants you to hear is that, listen, if I'm in the boat, if I'm in your life, it's okay. We're going to get through the storm. He doesn't promise us that we won't go through the storms, but friend, he promise us, promises us that we will never be alone in the storm. And that's the point. That's the point for us. In the midst of life's chaos, we're never alone. We're never abandoned, never forsaken. And you and I may think, Jesus, you're sleeping through my storm. And he would say, listen, but I'm in the boat and everything's gonna be okay. In a moment this morning, we're gonna have a time of response. And, and, and I really hope that our time of response today will be a genuine, heartfelt moment of worship where we recognize that no matter what you are going through in life, no matter what storms you may be facing, that if Jesus is in your boat, you're gonna survive the storm, you're gonna be okay. Because the one who made creation has the power with a word to say, peace, be still. And when the timing is right, and when he's ready, the teacher has authority over the storm that you're facing in life. I don't know what the purpose in your storm may be. I, I won't pretend, I, I, I'm not going to. Uh, try to tell you that this is what God is trying to do or because I may not know. I don't even always understand what the storms are for in my own life. But I know this, that I have never faced a storm alone because Jesus is in my boat. I wonder today, is he in your life? Have you trusted him by faith? If, you, if you've never called on Jesus, if you've never made him Lord and Savior of your life, then I would encourage you during our invitation today that you would, you would come forward and surrender your life to him. Brad and I will be here at the front. We would love to pray a prayer of faith with you to walk you through that. Just surrendering your life to him, calling on him, inviting him into your life. Again, using sort of this metaphor of sorts, getting him in the boat with you. Maybe you're going through a storm right now. And what you need today is not to try to figure out the storm. It's not to try to even have control or power over the storm, but it's to recognize that Jesus has power over the storm. And if you will trust him and if you will look to him in his own way, with his own power, according to his own authority, he'll take care of your storms when the timing is right. Will you trust in him? And so in a moment, we'll stand to sing the song of invitation as we do our altars are open our staff are here at the front ready to pray with you and receive you if god is speaking to you today i want to challenge you that you would respond in worship to him let's pray together lord god we thank you that in the midst